Let's make planning this year's garden a lot easier with the Planter app. This app is packed full of features. It has companion and combative planting, which are indicated by green and red circles. It has a simple drag and drop interface. It has 80 plus plants and thousands of varieties. All the info is needed to grow veggies, including when to start seeds, transplant and harvest, the ability to create custom plants and varieties, a growing guide with in-depth articles to supplement the quick info in the app, not to mention that you can view it and use it both on your PC and on your mobile device, so you can always be planning your garden on the go. This app is used in my garden year-round to plan the upcoming seasons, reference the last year's seasons so I know when to rotate, and it also helps me to learn more about companion planning using the visual cues. When you create your garden, it's going to be based on the dimensions and each block is going to be a square foot. I've had a lot of fun using this app and the Planter app, which is spelled P-L-A-N-T-E-R, is available in your app store on both Google and Apple. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and plan your garden and use the link below to get a discount on the Planter app. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. I've tried a lot of things in my garden, Batavia, and there is a fair percentage of them that don't work. You ever had that? Just some method you get excited about and you're just like, yes. There's something in my garden right now I'm looking at it that isn't working. Is it making you mad? Nah, you know... More often than not, I knew better, but didn't do better. <laughs> it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want it b- before we get started. First of all, uh, you can check us out Patreon, um, Apple subscriptions, Batavia's YouTube channel is Be Better Gardens, and mine is Sandy Bottom Homestead. Come check us out. And also, at the end of the show, we are going to be answering a Spotify listener question. So, we got a fresh one for you. It's actually kind of and fun, too. If you all remember from UOG's uh, listeners from the days of doing listener questions, Young Ben never gives me the question in advance. Uh, so, prepare for me to stammer and stutter. <laughs> <laughs> dude i just i just checked it before we got on but it's not a hard question at all it's yeah. actually it's rant worthy to be honest oh here we go so, yeah here we go but um no every year it's like I, I i don't know i always try something new or always see people doing new things mm-hmm. and i want to try it and um a lot of times it doesn't work out like that so we're going to be talking about the garden methods that do not work. That's clear. Because I know when I say don't, sometimes people are like, wait, he said do. So, Yeah. Well, Jess, um, there is a fellow gardener that was on the Facebook page, you told me this, that said, why did Batavia hit the bail after something? I don't remember what yeah. the thing was. And this is my declaration. The bail generally doesn't have a rhyme or reason. So we are not celebrating the things that don't work, which is normally is like, you know, hey, yeah. hooray, bail. Um, so, yeah, that's a good example of that really didn't make sense. But it felt right in the moment. Look, and if it feels right, do it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's 2023. We're all free spirits, baby. We're taking it back to the <laughs> 70s. Not that I was around for that, but, you know. So what are well, I mean, what are you looking at in your yard right now that's not working for you? 
I just had the moment of I realized the gap between our ages and I just got a little bit like, oh, it ain't um, that much of a gap. Well, it's enough to count. We're talking like, a, you know, a whole decade you missed. Anywho, um, I think one of the biggest things that I get frustrated with about what doesn't work is when the thing worked before. Right. <laughs> so, but you know, I'll get to that. One of the biggest things that don't work in my gardens, but I continue to do it every year is tomato cages. Really? They don't work for you? You know, they they're actually I take that back. I'm with you. Yeah, they are it's like um it's like a head <clears throat> fake or something. Right? Like you get to month one with growing them and it's like, yeah, rock and roll. Month two, month three. No, month two is when things start to go south. So I still use them because what are you going to do? I bought like a dozen of them. I got like 15 of them. And so um, I need to, it's like, the, in my mind, it's the, almost the equivalent to the greenhouse. You know, the one you did the video on a couple of months yeah. ago, that plastic green greenhouse. It's advertised. Everyone picks them up. It's They're super popular in stores. And then you get a wild tomato growing, which mo- most tomatoes grow wild, and it's tipping over, you know, <laughs> and it is, you're struggling with trying to keep both the cage and the tomatoes in place. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that totally. Um, you know, and at first I was like, you're crazy. And then it took me like a split second. I was like, hold up. They don't, I mean... They work okay for me, you know, for like a determinant tomato. But after that, and even them, they get pretty out of control. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, man. It just seems like it'd be such a good idea, though. You know, like that method of of staking a tomato would. Well, it's but that's not what it is, though. Really, um, it's yeah. it's caging the tomato. So, what I do instead is I start most times with one of those wooden stakes. It's like a five footer or something. Mm-hmm. I put in the best version of this. I put the stake down and then I plant the tomato. Then I put the cage on top of it, so the stake is sitting in between inside of the cage. Yeah. And so that allows me to use the stake as somewhat of an anchor. When I need to start tying things up, I can tie it to the stake, which is more likely to stay in place than the cage. So the cage still, there is some bits where I'll tie string to it. Cause that's if I'm a brand new gardener and I'm going to the, the garden center and I pick up a tomato cage, I think my work is done. Yeah, it definitely seems like that would be the end of the story. And it's not like a failure in my garden. Like I've managed, basically, I continue to use them every year. Yeah. Know, but it does take some maintenance to make sure that they're not, the tomato plant isn't sitting on its side because it absolutely will do that. Yeah, it doesn't work like you'd want it to. Mm-hmm. So have you started trying a better method? No. No, I, I've seen some methods that I think could be interesting, but it increases the work two or three fold. Right. Yeah. You know, so the ones that I'm trying to single stem this year, I don't have the tomato cages around. I'm using like a bamboo stake um, because obviously that plant should be growing in a much different way. And if I use a tomato cage for that, I mean, it'd be perfectly fine. You know, probably even a waste of a cage based on the way the single stemming should work. Um but again, it's one of those things I mentioned this in a video recently, like, you know, especially for those of us that have kind of a small compact space, where do you put all of this crap that you're not going to use? Like you've used it a couple of years and decided, no, this wasn't for you. 
right? You know, so yeah. luckily the tomato cages can stack up easily, but I still feel like some need because let me tell you this, without a tomato cage with a regular indeterminate tomato, you're also stuck, right? You need something to start with. So yeah. they're my starting point, put it that way. For me in the fall, you know what the best feeling is? Is when I take all of those tomato cages and I stack them up and put them behind my shit. I'm like, look, I did something today. I'm a winner. <laughs> yeah. It's probably the thing that I can find the, the best in my garden. There's so many. I spent 35 minutes yesterday looking for my drill bits because I wanted to to uh, to drill some holes in some containers and then that was a signal for you need to clean up girl because I mean that's 35 minutes you know in a yeah. morning that I'm basically trying to get a few things in the garden done before I go to my 9 to 5 like you, you don't have that you kind of time box. to waste yeah. you ain't got no toolbox I do I have two oh. of them one that's <laughs> empty that's the larger one that really I should be using one that's small I checked it my garage is a mess so much so where like for the first two months of like the garden season I park in front of my house instead of the garage because right. it's a complete tornado in there and I'm so glad I found the two of uh, the um, the drill bit because I was this close to basically committing to cleaning out the garage and I'm really not ready for that task but anyway yeah. so um for me and I, I haven't really talked about this at all that method the hoogler method hoogle culture yeah hoogle culture where you yeah, put all the sticks like and stuff like logs mm-hmm. in the bottom of a bed that doesn't work well for me mm-hmm. um i put those in the bed behind next to my greenhouse when i packed it and you know i had i had good intentions it'll break down mm-hmm. over time this that mm-hmm. and the other Man, three years later, I stuck a shovel in there and there's still a big old stick in there. You know, it just did not break down like I had anticipated. I don't know what I was thinking or what my intentions were ultimately, like when I sat back and looked at it. But mm-hmm. what I figured and found is that it was leaving air gaps within my garden and it was causing issues. So um, that's something and it, it's a it's a very popular method. Yeah, so, I actually have a bed that I'm, I'm supposed to be building out, and I plan on using that method because it's a 32-inch tall bed. Tell me about these air gaps you're, you speak of. Well, it's I don't just, understand how that creates a problem. Well, because the roots will, if they hit an air gap, they're just going to uh, go around it. They gotcha. can't go through it, you know. Yeah, now, yeah, gotcha. let me not trip well, and be like... Well, they can go through it, but there's no earth, no soil, no life yeah. there. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, it could have easily been... Um, I've, I could have negated that easily by going through and working the soil around everything mm-hmm. and all that. But, I mean, let's be honest. You know what I mean? It's it's advertised as, and I say advertised, it's touted as being like a very quick addition to the bed. And it was a, it was kind of like a silent thing I didn't even know was going on. Now, I mean, the, the question that everybody might be asking is, did I pull all that stuff out? I'm like, no, I didn't pull it out. But I went in there and took the shovel and started, you know, jamming dirt and everything and trying to get it to work well. But that method for me, it just it, it was definitely a little bit of a heartbreak just because I wasn't doing any favors for anything. Mm-hmm. Now, it, putting leaves on the bottom, stuff like that, that I can see no problem with. But like actual like big sticks and I've seen people put in like giant logs and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just I just don't I don't see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, um, I think, you know, when you look at, I mean, it's like a, almost a lifetime of a log breaking down, you know? So I, I think, I think there is a little bit of 
foo-fooness around the whole yeah and then it'll break down but it's like you know it's not in a season it's not in even multiple seasons which i think generally speaking is fine let me ask you this would you if you had to do it over again would you have just used all soil i would have used like leaves on the bottom probably mm-hmm. Nah, you know what i probably would have just added soil i don't know but your um, bed is basically what like eight ten inches high yeah, it's eight inches high, four by yeah. eight by eight inches. Yeah. So, yeah, I that's mean, that's still a lot of soil, but that's not a lot of like uh, lower level filling for that method. Yeah, I mean, if you buy like bulk soil, it's not that much. Now, if you're mm-hmm. buying it by the bag, for sure. But I don't, mm-hmm. I would never recommend anybody buy it by the bag to fill a garden bed. That's a ridiculous waste of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that method for me just it, it was a total backfire. Um, I can, you know. You asked me what else I'd put in there, and I was just trying to think to my off the top of my head. And the only thing I can really think of would be like maybe like straw, like just get a bale of straw and put down there. Like that'll mm-hmm. bulk it up pretty pretty good, and it will break down. So you could add that too. Yeah, I don't know this exactly from experience, but I have this past year. I did the job of getting all the leaves I could ever use. Yeah. So I probably have enough leaves in my garage. Remember, the garage is a mess for even next year. Now, the trouble is half of the bag. So let's call it eight bags. That may not be accurate, but let's call it. This is after topping off all of my beds except the one fire pit that's 36 inches around. So all 298,000 beds that I have have either leaves or two or three of them have straw on it. So anyway, that's that's a lot, right? So I definitely collected far more leaves than I needed for this season, which all in all, they're pretty dry. So they should be fine through this winter coming up and I can use it next season. But remember, I have this bed, right? And so half of the, the bags, four of them are shredded, which is ideal, easy peasy. The other half are whole leaves, right? You know, and so... Yeah shredding leaves which i've done for the past few years not this year but the past uh years prior it's a pain in the butt right i got my whole leaf blower slash shredder but it's a pain it's dirty right and i'm not talking about like you know i got dirt under my nails i'm talking about like you need one of those full body suits on like remember in the departed at the end like (laughs) (laughs) otherwise it's like the day before i wash my hair is the day i'm gonna do this so anyway um so the thing is the easiest method for me when it comes to using that hugo culture method would be to use the shredded leaves that's that's more ideal because the whole leaves even if they're being laid into the bed underneath they still have an opportunity to get matted and almost create like a um whatchamajig like this more solid layer more solid than i want um, so I'm, I'm still probably many weeks off of actually doing this. So I'll have some time to decide the approach I want to take. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hear you, you know. So actually, okay, here we go. I just Googled it, um, to see, cause I was, my question was, if you put leaves in the bottom, is that called Hugo culture? And, um, here's the key right here. It's a century old traditional way of building a garden bed from rotten logs. So I guess the key is to put already rotting logs in there. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe it's just my fault. (laughs) Well, no, I think it's one of those things that that we, the community, have bastardized it. Yeah, well, that was the thing is like I've just seen it so much where people just like put it in there and say, you know. Yeah. Yep. And so then the next, you know how Google will give you like common questions asked. 
So what's the downside? And it says it takes a large amount of energy and time to construct, which I'm not building on that. Never mind. Um, and it takes a long time for it to break down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there you yeah. go. Well, that's okay. Um, you know, you can't get it all, man. But that being said, like, I don't take back that I tried it because what if it would have worked? Great. You yeah. know what I mean? No, you know. You only took mm-hmm. you one bit, you know, to figure it out. All right. So mine, and I'm going to take this. I'm going to, you know, um, take the uh, weapon out of your hand. Wood chips for garden mulch. Oh, yeah. I wasn't even going to bring it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course you were. So um, this goes back to the beginnings of young Ben and I. And I think maybe we used to the- fight about this. Yeah, I felt very strongly about it. Um, in part, it was a free resource for me. It still is a free resource in Chicago. And hit me in my DMs if you're in Chicago and you want to know the where. But there, like, last I checked, four or five different city sites where you can basically bring your own, you know, bags or buckets or containers or I imagine maybe a small truck. You could load up the wood chips and the city offers them for free. And so when you think about, you know, other resources to use for mulch i'm like well shoot this is full free right right and so i had them in my beds and this is again this is when i'm starting to change the method of the way i garden so in theory i'm saying all right put them onto the beds and you can continue to plant in them and there's that whole idea of like they continue to break down which they do right um but they don't break down as quickly as let's say mulch in a walkway hmm so anywho, first year, it seemed to work out great until I got to the point either later that season or the following season where I said, oh, I want to add compost to this bed, like the whole my approach of amending beds, which probably later in my garden career, I'll say how much of that was necessary in that way. So that first year after I added the mulch, I ended up like pulling all of those wood chips back. Biggest pain in the butt, like probably the biggest pain, the biggest time drain, time waste that I feel like I've spent in the garden in recent years. And so then it's like, all right, now we're adding them back in. So it was a whole project. Yeah. Um, and then the part that it took me probably a couple more years to realize was um, specifically the roly polies, which I still battle today. Don't call them roly-polies, Batavia. It's pill bugs, don't you know? Pill bugs, yeah. And maybe not only because of the the wood chips, because they're beds that have been built that didn't have wood chips in them. Like, they've been beds that I've stood up since then. Mm -hmm. still. I mean, like, the roly-polies know where to come to party. So, anywho, and and for me, I don't care about the bugs. Um, I care about those bugs that eat my young seedlings, you know, and I watch it all the time. I think that's probably more painful than the idea of amending the beds and, you know, needing to move the wood chips. So now instead I'm using primarily shredded leaves, which is still a organism that's breaking down and they still kind of, you know, hang out there. It's like the, the, um, the pre-show, you know, but it's much faster. Yeah. Much faster. Um, they don't congregate. So that's why I said the leaves are more like a pre-show. The yeah. wood chips are like a, they're like the main party and the after party. Yeah. I mean, is, is this considered um, the back to Eden garden method? Uh, it's one of the components of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, it's, it's about the same. Um, 
you know, I wasn't going to bring it up because I know I've kind of talked about it a lot, but I'm going to now. Um, you know, the year that I used, like, I decided one year, I was like, I'm, I'm doing it. And it was the worst garden I've ever had. I struggled, I struggled, I struggled. And as I did more and more research, I learned, you know, as the wood chips break down the first year, they tie up the nitrogen in the soil. So you've got to give it more. Um, you know, I had a whole lot of, just like you said, roly polies and stuff like that. I did not have a single weed. I will mm-hmm. say that. But I also had tomatoes that got to be two feet tall and they stayed there. Mm-hmm. So there's an issue, you know, I mean, I'd rather have weeds and two foot tall tomatoes not going to produce. Mm-hmm. But the problem, and I think this is very area specific, um, meaning like in the south, the issue I had is, man, I had fire ants all through my beds mm-hmm. because of it. They got in there and they just, and ever since then, I have fought fire ants to an extent to try and get them out of my garden. It's crazy. So, um, so I'm yeah, right there with you. I think, I think it was effective for, so forgive me and thank you for bringing it up. Forgive me for not noting this bit. So I, I added the wood chips to protect the soil, to suppress weeds, which it was effective in. Mm-hmm. I think it was effective in protecting the soil. And I think it was, um, um, effective in water retention. You know, it's a layer of a thing, right? You know, so I think it did all of those jobs, but it's the other effects. I also, we, I don't think I've said this out loud to you, but I think sometimes you're in my head, so you know this thing. So I said at the beginning of this, um, on the garden bed and versus walkways. So for years now, I don't know which year, someone remind me, Leonard, is this year three? Hmm. Four. So, yeah, it could be your, well, let me finish a thought <laughs> um, of me talking about wanting to use like crushed gravel or super small rocks or something for my walkways. And primarily it's in the front yard. So in between all of the beds, I've used wood chips again, because it's a free resource. Right. But the key is, again, it's this living thing that's breaking down. Right. So you're going to have not some like fire soil wood in chips. your walkway. Hmm. You're going to have some fire soil in your walkway one day. Well, well, you know, I've actually considered this new bed I'm talking about scooping up all of the, um, and I've full on replaced it all like once. And I did some spot replacing twice. And I started using wood chips as walkways in 2019. Um, So, so I was considering scooping it all up and using that as the very bottom layer of the soil in this new bed. But guess what's going to happen? What's going to be crawling under that bed? What? Roly polies. Yeah. Anywho. um, I do think that, and I also have volunteer lettuce and mustards and things growing out of the wood chips because again, that's, it's broken down. There's soil underneath it. Last note on the back to Eden method. I've watched a couple of videos on this and a couple of gardeners that followed, you know, kind of the back to Eden principles. And I could be wrong, but I believe a theme there is a bed will sit dormant. So the space you're building up your soil, but you're not always planting directly in it. I think one of those pieces is the piece that we kind of miss. Like when I say we bastardized the previous method, who go, Google, you guys know what I mean. That method, it's the same thing when it comes to the back to Eden method. It's the same thing when it comes to the Ruth Stout method, which I'm not adding to this list, but just as a reference. The what method? Uh, Ruth Stout, S-T-O-U-T, 
first name Ruth. This is a gardener who's passed on, um, but her method of growing in spoiled hay. Oh, uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the more popular ways is to grow potatoes in that way. I actually have done a bit more um, looking into that. And, you know, she, there are a number of crops that she grew in that same way. But she used spoiled hay, which basically is... Um, if I'm not mistaken, hay that's been has gotten wet and damp that isn't fit to eat, you know, for your animals. Um, and I use straw because I have access to that. She basically is like, put it down, you know, in the fall to plant in the spring. I'm like, it's spring now. I want to plant. I'm just going to dump now, not only not the hay, but the straw. <laughs> I'm going to dump straw straight out of the bag. You know what I'm saying? So it's all these things like we twisted a little bit. It's like next in next year's episode like this, I'm going to say this method didn't work. And I realized that I've, again, bastardized it a bit. Let's cross our fingers and toes because we have potatoes in there. So in 2024, every, everybody, I want you guys to go over to Batavia's YouTube and watch her garden as it transforms to only being planted in walkways. And then all of the actual garden beds will just be like sitting areas. Dude. That's, that's, that's the future of your garden. <laughs> you step in and it's like there's a table, a dinette set in there yeah. to inside of the yeah. bed. <laughs> Yeah, that's like exactly the right. The maitre d could, could can you come over to table slash bed number six, please? Yep. <laughs> please don't step in the garden. It looks like a walkway, but it is not. No, I, I you living know, walkways it, are a thing, though. They are a thing, uh, and uh, there's damn sorry, everybody. I, I got excited. Um, they are a thing, and it's I'm not against them, but at the same time, like I mean, heck, I got living walkways. I got weeds growing in my walkways. Mm-hmm, you know what here, I'm saying? But um, no, I, I agree. The wood chips just didn't work out for me either. And, um, you know, uh, one of the things that you did mention was, you know, I plant year round in my gardens for the most part. So they're not really sitting there and resting like they should be sometimes. And in mm-hmm. the wintertime, I think you get a lot of good breakdown in the wintertime from this stuff. You know, when it sits and it stays damp and moist and all that stuff, I think you start to get a lot of like really good, like, you know, decomposition going on. Mm-hmm. If I could use an and, actual term for once. <laughs> nicely done. And for my walkways, I'm walking on them. And so that's adding to the breaking of uh, the wood chips down. I'd lost my, my train of thought with that one. I brought up the walkways to say if I had the gravel like I've dreamed of instead of the free wood chips, I'm convinced I would have less peel bugs slash roly polies. Yeah. I still, again, have other living things in my garden space. Again, the leaves do draw them in, but I'm convinced I wouldn't have as many as I do. Well, if you think about it, too, <clears throat> have you ever heard that people say, and when I say people, not just like your average person, but have you ever read or seen where they're saying like our, our national parks are dying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... This because has a of lot all the people trampling along them, right? Negative, negative. Oh, so no, I haven't heard the, it then. Yeah, well, th- that's the thing. You know, the national parks are dying, this, that, and the other. And what people are theorizing is going on is because they've limited to where, you, you know, you go in a national park, you can only stay on a trail. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to veer off the trail. Well, what happens when you walk down that pathway in your garden? You're turning it up. You're moving it. You're introducing air. You know, you're mm-hmm. basically turning a compost pile within reason. Well, it's the same thing in nature. You know, back in the day, 
if you if you lived in Yellowstone, you walked all over it. There was, you know, you went everywhere. It didn't matter. So things were getting turned up a little bit better, and now they're not. So I think, you know, that's why in our gardens, because, I mean, let's face it, you stick a tomato in the ground and you walk away, you know, you don't dig in that anymore until the end of the season. So, I mean, how many times a year are you really digging in your garden and turning it up? Mm-hmm. You know, and introducing that air because air is a big portion of the decomposition process. That's the fuel to the fire. You know, air and water. That's the biggest thing, you know. So you've got to have that. And without that, I think that's where you get those problems. So that's why our walkways, we're constantly having it. Like in my, I use wood chips in my flower beds mostly because I just don't care and I don't want to mess with it at all. But I never, ever dig in my flower bed, ever. So those wood chips now are three years old. I mean, they look like they've been, you know, forever. Plus, I use natural colored, so I don't have to refresh them so they look good or anything like that. But yeah, my uh, award-winning perennial street-side flower bed. Well, it hasn't won any awards yet. It absolutely has um, wood chips as the mulch, and I weed. I pull a weed or two once every few weeks. You know, so it's not like a full on weeding job. Um, and I say that to say, like, most of what's planted there, their perennials thrive every year. So right. there's it's not lacking a thing. Right. You know, there's some plants that kind of peter out, you know, and it could be any number of reasons. But it's interesting because, um, again, it's the we talk about, you know, year one with wood chips as an example. And, you know, again, these plants found a way they figured it <laughs> out. I used to surf with a guy named Peter, and he would never let me use that term. Which term? It would peter out. Oh, okay. I'd be like, man, the wave petered out. He's like, no, the wave pawed out. Get it right. I'm like, fine. He's like, why has it got to be Peter for? I'm like, sorry, sir. But um, no, and I mean, I think, too, when you're talking about, see, and this is the thing, you know, when you plant a flower in the ground, like, clearly you want it to grow really fast. But if you're planting vegetables, like, you want to harvest those vegetables that year. A perennial, you you expect it to kind of sit there Mm -hmm. for a year or two before it really takes off. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the problem with it, too, is... I think if you did do it and you gave it time and you worked it appropriately, I think it would work. But, you know, for whatever reason, like it just didn't work. And I I agree with you, though. I don't think it's a good method. I agree that if you gave it time um, that and you had the space to give it that time, that it would be more effective. Um, I also believe that when you think about the space that we're talking about to give it that time, you're right. like for me in my area and even in yours, like the garden is kind of com- compact. Yeah. You know, so bed one is nearly touching bed two and bed two is nearly yeah. touching bed three and so on. And so that matters as well. Remember, we've talked about over the years, like, oh, we don't recommend bringing in ladybugs into your garden because guess what? If the habitat isn't there for them, they're going to move on. You yeah. know, and it's the same idea with the reverse bad bit of it. It's like the roly-polies the pill bugs these bugs will find what they're looking for or they they will move on and clearly they continue to find what they're looking for but let's move on ah you see what i did this there yeah i did and i and you also did something else you used my next one when i said you know introducing bugs into your garden introducing Mm. beneficial um predators into your garden i think is a method that's not doable so um you basically covered it real quick but um it's just like I tell my son when we go fishing, he's like, I catch a fish. So he's like, I'm going to cast right where you are. 
And I'm like, son, what do fish have? He's like, fins. I'm like, there you go. They, they move around. Mm-hmm. Bugs have wings. They fly. They move. And so, like, we, so originally this was going to be about products that don't work in the garden. But we didn't want to do that. We wanted to do methods because it felt like it was a little bit more compelling. Mm-hmm. But the insects are technically both they're they've become a product at that point and so like you see pictures all the time like look at all the ladybugs on here but it's like yeah you paid for the ladybugs to get rid of but then they're gone they just go away so why don't we find a method to attract ladybugs instead of adding them or praying mantises or whatever you know insert whatever beneficial insect you can find you know what i mean (laughs) i was thinking about this the other day um i've had an abnormal amount of people watching my videos say you've got asian jumping worms well it's like yes i do have asian jumping worms and they're an invasive species from i believe it's china that have come here and they actually eat the um earthworm and when they they kind of make your soil real like crumbly they don't process it the same or whatever and so like i was working up my garden actually yesterday and i was looking i saw one come up i killed it whatever it's i mean it doesn't really matter i'm not really doing anything when i kill one but i'm doing my part right and i thought about it and i was like they don't have a natural predator right now but there will be a natural predator at some point like at some point Something will come along, nature will prevail, and it will take this worm over, and it will feed specifically on this worm. And there's been places, like in um, when I was younger, I was privileged enough to take a trip to the Galapagos Islands. And so they had, um, I believe it was the people that brought the ships over there back in the day released, I think it was pigs. I don't remember. So anyways, they entered they introduced feral cats to take over the pigs. Well, now they got a feral cat issue. So they're like, okay, now they're paying people to come out and shoot the animals. There's like a bounty on their heads because they've become invasive Mm -hmm. because they've added something that's not natural to the environment. I know it's not really a direct correlation of what we're talking about, but it's the same idea. Like if you keep adding these things, there could be other benefits that we just don't know. Or other downsides that we just don't know about having. I know people are like, there's no way you can have something from having too many ladybugs. But, you know, I mean, a case of aphids is not really worth spending 10 bucks on ladybugs and releasing them for them to stick around for a couple days. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's, um, it, it reminds me of the, the unnatural things that we do, kind of the, yeah. the way that we sometimes force things in our environment. But that's a whole different show. Is it? No. Uh, yeah, it's a whole different show. Okay, okay, it's a whole different <laughs> show, everybody. You heard it first right here on the Backyard Gardens podcast. <laughs> but um, so I, you know, I don't agree with that method at all. I think that it's unnatural, and I think it's just not realistic. And I know there's people out there like, hey, it worked for me, and that's great. But the question is, do you have an exploding population of that insect year after year? What are you laughing so, at? Um, so my, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show, but I mentioned it to you, of course. So my neighbors, one of my neighbor's dogs, the youngest, but the biggest dog, um, 
my neighbor has started to do some things in her front yard. So she has actually, it's not even because of the bigger dog. It's because of the little dogs. They can get underneath the the wrought iron fence in the front yard. So Mm -hmm. she basically has blocked off from going from the backyard to the front yard. You know how I walk in between, like the, the, I call it, you know, on the side of the house, but a lot of people call it gangways. So she's blocked that off. And the bigger dog who's outside more, the one that yapped at, yapped at me all last summer, but we have an understanding now. Um, <laughs> so she has not only the like this big piece of wood blocking it, but she also has a garbage can in front of it. And so when I saw it, I was like, uh-oh, like the dog isn't going to like it. The dog's name is Precious. I'm like, oh, she isn't going to like it. So yesterday she was sitting on the porch, the back porch, houses are set up exactly the same. And I walked over to that direction and now she doesn't care if I walk on the side. Most times she just kind of walks alongside, you know, with me. But because of this thing being blocked now, she can't. And boy, did she start barking. And I'm like, honey, I know. Like, it's not my fault you can't get up there. You know, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> like she's used to being able to, to move around a bit more. And I'm like, you'll get used to it. So um, I got a motion detection um, in, by my back door. And normally it's her. But I'm like, what are you doing? Because you can't go anywhere. And so sure enough, I could see how sad she looks kind of looking at the garbage can, remembering what the front yard looked like. <laughs> All right. So um, I'm up, right? You're Thanks up. Thanks for ahead. this side story. That's um, okay. Go ahead. So this, You have a new friend. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't say we were friends. You know? <laughs> um, so uh, she, look, we still, look, there's still a little bit of act right between her and I. Um, I... I think the teepee method of growing beans, you, so the teepee method of vertical growing, yeah, it's um, very similar to the tomato cage. Boy, you could set that up and be wrong about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this is a lot of guard, the gardener influences this. So, Overplanting it will no doubt lead to a, a vertical trellis tipping over. You know, once those beans start to set in those vines, you know, that that those uh, vines have, have sprawled all over the place. Right. So there's one. And then two, if you go back to before you even plant what you're using to create the structure. Right. How strong those pieces of wood or whatever have you are absolutely impact the success it's going to have. So I loved it last year in concept. I love the convenience of just being able to reach my hand in to um, to like pick beans. However, I'm going to say maybe in August, I was like, I need more support. (laughs) And then it's, it's super hard to add things to your structure after things have started to grow. Um, so Man. I want to use this again as a method, but damn it, you got to try to get that thing right. If I had a bell, I would have hit it because I'm here to tell you. Oh, wait, no. That, yeah. Yeah, because that's that's something that I've fought with before. Is like once something grows, you're done adding structure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there's a point where you're just it's an uphill battle and where you can actually damage the plant and then you're just going backwards. Yeah. Now, let yeah, me ask you was... this about that TP. Doesn't it waste a lot of space underneath it? That's the part that it's hard for me, too, as well. Like, in my mind, yes. So, last year, I had sweet potatoes underneath it. So, technically, the sweet potatoes should have been able to grow underneath 
So I'm sorry, I had sweet potatoes planted in the bed. I started off with the TP and the, the pole beans kind of around the structure, like each end of the TP or the stick. And then I put a couple of sweet potato slips in front of it. Right. You know, so I don't remember when I harvested, did anything come from the back of the bed? Probably not. Um, so I try to like manage it that way. Um, but generally speaking, anytime I see it online, it absolutely is a wasted space underneath it. Like people don't generally do anything. I saw one Pinterest where it's like, oh, your kids can take their blankets and it can be a fort. Well, that ain't happening in no. my garden. If anything, no. I'm keep creating a fort for all of neighborhood cats. Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. But I like it though. I like it as a vertical method, but I mean, you gotta, you gotta be careful with it. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's important too. So do you put that into the category of it doesn't work? It's a method that doesn't work or is Did it I a method that, was... that you don't, don't like, but you'll still use? Did I say that there's an asterisk around it? I think no, that but there always is with you every yeah, show. I think that it can, it can work, but I think that it's very prone for it not working. And again, it's all it all ties back to the gardener. Yeah, if it's I drank, I'd take a shot every time you say it, there's an asterisk. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be an alcoholic. I set up. I I thought I did a better job this year with it, but I will never know because uh, the roly polies ate my, <laughs> all of my <laughs> all the beans that had uh, germinated down to the nub, and so I decided to plant something else in that space. All right, you ready for this one? It's a big mm-hmm. one. DIY home remedies. I'm going to use a broad category for this one. That's like, that's a whole other show. It is, but we're going to go ahead and crack it open just a little bit. We're going to crack this nut because um, I've tried a lot of them, you know, from powdery mildew to animals eating stuff to, you know, different insects. Hell, I'm going to try another one soon. Um, but generally speaking, I just find that it doesn't work. It's, um, you know, one of the ones that I used with, for powdery mildew was uh, you spray your plant with milk in the middle of the day and the um, proteins in the sun will activate and attack the powdery mildew. And all I got was some sour doo-doo smelling plants. That was all I had in the middle of summer. It was horrible. And I did. And the thing is, is I did it every day for or every couple days for like the whole summer. I still had powdery mildew and I gagged when I went out to my garden is very unpleasant. So, um, you know, I've done stuff like um, I've used like like a lot of people. And I mean, this isn't really one of this is a product, but diatomaceous earth. Mm hmm. Like I've tried that, but the second you get some humidity or some dew or something, you got to reapply it. You know, mm-hmm. you just constantly are pouring money and time into this. So, um, I, you know, I've tried stuff like now one thing, and this is the same concept with the diatomaceous earth, but I do find that it works is like adding like cayenne pepper for things that chew for like mammals and stuff like that, like sprinkling that on your plants. It does work. But the problem is, is when it gets wet and it get wet from either you watering it, the dew, the rain, it cakes up on your plant. So then you mm-hmm. got to go clean your plant off and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I did stuff as well as like hanging bars of soap around my garden to keep deer out of it. Didn't work. They just I mean, hell, I think they ate one of those bars of soap. You know, it just it just didn't work. So <laughs> Um, I'm not saying all DIY home remedies don't work, but it, just be real careful when you try them. 
and I mean, why not give it a shot? You know, it's like right now, um, I just had a video come out about my uh, potato harvest, and I we pulled up some grubs out of the garden. I asked, you know, what are these grubs? And you know, a lot of people said they were Japanese beetle grubs. So I was like, okay. So then I started looking in, like, how do you get rid of the Japanese beetle grub? And one of them was you spray, like, a certain mixture of, like, dish soap and water mm-hmm. onto your garden, and they'll come to the surface, and the birds will eat them. I'll try it. What have I got to lose? You know what I mean? Like, I ain't got nothing to lose. I don't have high hopes for it, but I'll try it, you know? <clears throat> Forgive my deep breathing. It's, um, it's just, it's... I agree. Yeah. Right. First and foremost, uh, I'm not contesting it. I just get so frustrated when it comes to the DIY remedies and all, because oftentimes, whether you read it from the Internet, you know, some published article or a blog or whatever have you or someone comments, it's almost never like confirmed. It's like one person heard it from another person, heard it from another person, right? And we talked about this briefly before, like, uh, remember the guy said something like, have you, um, you should put, he may not have been this direct, you should put mirrors in your garden to help with, you know, to redirect the sun in the places that are shady. Remember the backyard garden is probably the sun's just coming out now back there, at least on the, near the wooden fence side. And I said, you know, um, have you tried it before? He's like, no. I'm out here hanging windows all over my garden and again, it may work, but like, like, (laughs) so that's the part that's frustrating. And unfortunately what I oftentimes do is I just discount almost all of it. Right. You know, so unless someone leads with the, I did this last year, I do this tried and true, you know, I'm kind of like, well, thanks for the suggestion. And I know it sounds dismissive, but I don't have as much time as I'd like. And in turn, I can't go chasing ghosts when it comes to this. So, you know, kind of odd, maybe uncomfortable, pun intended. My grandfather, God rest his soul, um, years ago, I can remember him coming over and sprinkling flour on my collard greens. What fur? This is, guess what? Guess guess what he's sprinkling the flour on to... uh, to be proactive against think about my number one garden so he just pest. had so he just had to add oil and fry it right away i mean i don't i don't know <laughs> so it's supposed to deter the cabbage, the cabbage moth. Looper. either yeah. the cabbage moth or the worms themselves i don't remember but i'm gonna tell you this i tried it years later and all i had was some burnt leaves right yeah. they were discolored and i can't remember what happened when he did it and the only thing i could come up with logically now is maybe the season was cooler because a part of that burning is like thinking about where they were planted and then how hot the sun was. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that year that I did it and hit, I don't know that he may have still been around for me to ask and maybe I just didn't. Um, but I'm like, it's an old wives tale and it doesn't work, you know. Um, but at some point it must have, I don't know, maybe there's a whole different species, but anyway, that's the DIY remedy, you know? Yeah. Um, now I use, um, like in my, on my tomatoes, I'll start, well, actually pretty soon I need to start using um, like peroxide sprays on my tomatoes to help fight fungal infections and stuff. And that does work, but there's science behind the work of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it, it does help, but I mean, it's a, it's a long process. 
And I mean, I'm not advocating for going out and getting like, you know, the harshest treatments you can possibly get to put on your plants. That's not what I'm saying. But the way it is now, like we have so many organic solutions out there that there's, you know, there's, there's definitely options and some stuff. I mean, look, if you got deer coming into your garden, there's some stuff you can do, but if they're real bad, you just got to plant extra for the deer. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's the only thing you can do. And I mean, I, I can tell you right now, my mom, she feeds the deer in her house. She, every night, there's eight deer in her yard. She just has, now she has five garden beds in there. And she's definitely put up netting around it so mm-hmm. that they can't get in. They don't eat her plants at all. Hmm. They go to where she's feeding them, but they don't eat her plants at all. Yeah, so there's something to be said about that. You've used that as a, a you know, feed the thing. That I think it was when I was talking about the squirrels. I think it probably depends. I don't know a whole lot about animals, so don't get me wrong. But I think it probably depends on um, the the, act- the type of animal. But this is what I just said is a great example of it. So, and this isn't me attacking you. The peroxide reference. There are people that do things. So the guy about the mirrors didn't do it, but there are people that suggest things and they do it, but they don't know for a fact that it works. They just believe it, you know? So there's that bit as well. I'm very careful around what I take immediately from the internet and apply to my garden. You should be because the way it works is Johnny says that it works. Then Susie picks it up and then April picks it up and then William picks it up. And next thing you know, Bob Vila puts it on his website and then now it's, it's, you know, gospel, Mm -hmm. you know, or some other famous. And look, I'm not knocking Bob Vila. Look, I'm a child of the nineties. Like my man, you can fix some stuff if you pay attention Mm -hmm. to Bob Vila. But at the same time, like that's how that stuff, and you see it on social media all the mm-hmm, time, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's just kind of how it works. There's every year there's some new craze. Yeah. So I still, there's, I still have this theory again, unfounded, uh, but I just feel it. Yeah. Like we, we just want to be doing something. I, I, I said it exactly how I said it. We just want to be doing something. <laughs> right. And it all, oftentimes comes up with, again, there's a ritual that's been created, you know, and I think there's definitely some parts of me that are naive, you know, and it's like, oh, okay. You know, even when you have a trusted gardener, like you, you've asked, have you tried this for things? And I'm kind of like, eh. I mean, that's a part of a big part of the show. I'm just like, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, I know you be growing stuff, but <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, so, again, it's, you know, there's if, if we're lucky enough, there are enough growing seasons for all of us to give some of these things a try. Um, if I'm being very specific, these were things that didn't work for you or didn't work for me. And I bet if we went another hour, we could probably come up with a few things that I still have on my didn't work list and maybe it worked for you. That's just how things work. Yeah. Oh, I'm sh- I'm sure there is. Yeah. Um, all right, everybody. On that note, because I don't want to keep going on about that and ruin everybody's day that's out there searching for DIY home remedies, we are going to do our Spotify question. So here's the deal with Spotify. I'm going to keep saying this until we kind of get it out there. Um, they've added this new feature. We made it so you could ask us a question, except the only downfall is... I don't think there's a way for us to answer you directly on there. So we're just going to answer them on the air and it'll be at this segment of it. Um, and Kaylee, she wrote on, this was on the leave a gardening. Oh, never mind. It was on the uh, last episode, which was, see, I'm not even, I'm still mm-hmm. figuring this out. Um, the plants to fill gaps in your garden episode. So Kaylee writes this year, I planted some romaine lettuce seeds from a brand new pack 
and out grew a stinging nettle. Have you ever had this before? A stinging nail? Nettle. Oh, nettle. I've never even heard of it, so no. Well, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I don't know if she's referring to that exactly, but like, have you ever planted a pack of seeds and then had something that wasn't supposed to be in that pack of seeds grow? Oh. Mm, maybe. I don't do a lot of broadcasting of seeds like that. Um, I, and, this, go ahead. And based on the way that my garden mixes and things come up, which I think there's going to be the connection in a second, but the way that my soil is set up, the way that even my indoor soil sometimes gets set up. I think I'm bringing, I think things uh, go to seed, drop, and then I think I ended up mixing it into my, whatever my growing medium is. Right. Sunflowers are the greatest example of my garden right now. You know, I know I've never, I grew sunflowers in the backyard garden in 2019, never since. You know, it's kind of like, why do I have sunflowers coming up in all kinds of crap in my backyard garden, right? Yeah. Um, it's me, in one case, moving soil around, in another case, it's the, the, um, the squirrels and the bees and or the the uh, the birds and so on. So, but what's what's the issue though? Is it? She's just hey. asking if we'd ever had that situation before. And I mean, for me, like I definitely harvested some carrots yesterday, and um, they're from a reputable seed company. And out came like this random carrot that wasn't that variety. It's actually a yellow carrot instead yeah. of an orange carrot. You know, I've had a couple of those. I think it happens with me a lot with carrots where I get like a white carrot or something randomly. So um, I had that. And then this year, actually, this is a bad year for it. I planted some cucumbers and out came a squash. (laughs) So, yeah, that's something that's new on me. Um, I've got a and you can go look in my videos and see on the back trellis. There's three cucumbers and one squash plant sitting there so so um this is a couple of years ago i uh, i don't i think i ended up stop i stopped growing them i bought a package of uh, seeds peppers and they the purchase was some type of red pepper and every year no doubt i'm gonna get my peppers confused meaning like i'm gonna lose track of what i planted i labeled the pepper plant properly and it took me until closer to the end of the season to realize wait a minute, this is labeled a red pepper, not a yellow one. Mm. And so I looked and I planted that same pepper plant in multiple places. And I'm like, they're all yellow. So I went back online to where I purchased them. And, you know, sure enough, there was a comment or two about people that had basically gotten a package labeled red and it was actually yellow pepper, which is a pain in the butt because that's not what I wanted. You know, I was very intentional about wanting that pepper to be a red pepper. Um, so that's one side of it. But now I know that entire package, I should assume it's, you know, yellow peppers instead of red. It is, um, you know, it is kind of crappy because it's now a crapshoot. Like if, if, if you use all of those, continue to use those seeds, you don't know what's going to come up. Um, but if I had to have it come up for anything, when it comes to a surprise, it would be lettuce just based on the quantity. Yeah. And how quickly you'll see, like, you'll know what it is, you know, once it starts to germinate. Now, the good news for Kaylee is um, apparently it is has medicinal properties, so you can do that. But then the bad news is it can be very hard to get rid of once established in your garden. So, um, 
If you want medicine, go for it. I don't know the benefits of it. I don't really want to go looking deep into it because I'm not going to grow any stinging. Anything that has stinging in the name, I'm not going to grow. I got enough things that sting me around. I'm scratching <laughs> a bug bite right now as we speak. So, Oh, sorry about that. Oh, um, that's my life. So since you normally introduce the person and then go into the question, don't give me a chance to do this. Hey, Kaylee. <laughs> <laughs> there must be oh you know what there's actually a um a dead indoor plant leaf in between the the bale that's why it sounded so pitiful no we gotta get leonard to come clean it out come on leonard yeah that's terrible all right we'll figure there that bit is. out we'll we'll shine it up for the next one but if you would like to leave a question just like kaylee did you can do so on spotify or on our facebook group um and you can find that through the Backyard Gardens podcast Facebook page. And come join us. And if you want to support us, support us on Patreon or Apple subscriptions. We'd love to have you. And you'll get a bonus episode each month. So that being said, everybody, I want you to do one thing for me. I want you to go out this week. And I want you to get your little books out. And I want you to learn to grow. But then I want you to go out and grow for change. Oh, dear goodness. I'm not ready. See ya. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time all over the world people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in hey everybody thanks for checking out the backyard gardens podcast if you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast head over to our patreon page to sign up you can also make a one-time donation using paypal both of these links are in the description with your support we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens see ya if you guys want some backyard gardens gear go to the link below and check out our t-shirts mugs pint glasses and other gear all purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.